Thank you, Dr. Renee. Can y'all hear me? Can you hear me? You good? Everybody's feeling good. It's your second session, so you can be alive. You can smile if you had your coffee. I am interactive, so I move around, and I like to communicate and interact with you. So is that all right? Amen. All right. So we're talking about the creative process, and this is pertaining to your worship experience. So we try, we're going to try to cover uh, from media to lights, um, video, anything you can think of. So that's what we hope to accomplish. So as you have heard, I am Reggie from um, Cincinnati, Ohio. I have been in Ohio for almost two years. I am originally from Kansas City, Missouri. I spent seven and a half long years in Springfield, Missouri. And um, <laughs> um, I am excited. Ohio really has it going on. I used to travel around um, with a group called Heart Song of 57.7 from Central Bible College. And back in, yeah, so back in 2007, I actually led worship at the Ohio District Council. And... I would never imagine that I will be back here in Ohio, but I am here. And I got to say, Ohio's network got it going on compared to some other networks. And I've been around to a lot of networks. So considering that it's called a network and not district council, that shows you how far ahead <laughs> Ohio is. <laughs> so I want to do something a little different. Normally we have Q&A at the end, but I'm going to present some things and then you can just ask questions at that time. Just raise your hand and say, hey, here's a question. I got you. Instead of doing it at the end, because we always run out of time at the end, and um, it just works better that way. So here's what I want to do. Let's start off. What questions or what do you expect from this section? And then we I'll write it down, and then that way uh, I'll make sure that I cover your questions. So go for it. Anybody questions that you want to make sure that I cover in this session. If not, I got a whole lot of things for you. Yes, sir. Are there limitations to how far you can go with the creative process in a worship service setting? Okay. That's actually, that's one of the first things I'm going to cover. So that you're very right on it. Yes, sir. Yeah, my plan is actually very similar to, I mean, how far can we push it? What, what do people, uh, before we start weirding people out? Okay. Um, I think the Hey, I, I'll say weird them out to the extent. That's our purpose. I'll show you how to do it. Yes, sir. Okay. So you said what stops or hold us back from creator? Okay. It's actually yourself, but I'll dig deeper into that. Yes, sir. Uh, movements, song time, preaching time, different, different Okay. What pertaining to just. Okay. 
Okay. Yes. So it was say that first part again. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. You offend everyone. That's what you do. No, I'm just <laughs> Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Here's your opinion on a balance between the size of your church and how you present it. You know, if there's a balance and the word like a Okay. Yes. How to know how much you Okay. Okay. Too hard. Okay. Such thing is too hard. For God or for us? <laughs> Anyone else? Yes. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. So, um, all right. So, I'm going to have a PowerPoint presentation for everything that I say, at least. So, if you want and desire it, I'll put it, my email address and everything at the end of the service. Actually, there it is there. So, you can write down my email address if you desire to have. Um, this PowerPoint presentation, or if you have questions that didn't get answered, something that sparked later on, then you can email me and I will um, email you back and try to answer to the best of my ability. I must admit, I don't know everything. And um, I almost, <laughs> and I guess I should confess when we talk about creative process that um, I do steal. I steal other people's ideas and I make them my own. Um, no one is really the originator of creativity but God. Amen. So, and I see something, I hear it, I take it and make it my own. So, I come from, uh, or I'm serving now at a unique church. And so some of your questions, I kind of giggle inside because um, I have encountered those. 
not in a negative way whatsoever. So when we talk about bridging creativity and relations with the older generation, I got you covered. Because we are a generationally rich church at people. So I believe in honoring elders as to how I was, uh, was raised. And so um, they play a valuable part in my life, let alone in a service within worship. You need the elders and the older generations in your church. Number one, they bring in the money. <laughs> no. <laughs> As you can tell, I, I joke a lot. But they do bring in the money. But <laughs> they bring some elements that some younger generations don't think about. We don't think about how loud things are. And I got to say, we run our decimals comfortable to me. But I'm very conscious of our older generation, too. So our, how we do our lights or things like that. So we actually just installed a whole new lighting system last November. And a lot of people didn't even notice it because I didn't do a lot with it. But suddenly, over time, we started to do different things. So, um, so I got you on that. So um, let's go with, let's talk about a little bit about creativity. Creativity is not art, it is problem solving. So a lot of times we think that we have to draw or, or do some musical or something like that. It's really not. So imagine that you are in, for the summer, you took a whole week and you are now a camp counselor. Anybody ever been to camp? So um, you have a room full of middle schoolers. So your instructions have been you walk into the room, you're greeting the middle schoolers. And if you ever walked into a room full of kids, especially middle schoolers, it can be very interesting. It can be very loud. People can jump off of the bunk beds. And if you have middle school guys, it can be a very interesting smell. So... What you do is you, you have to quiet them down so you can give instructions. You might flip the lights on and off. You might um, say, hey, you might do some type of whistle or something. Whatever you do is creative because you're solving a problem. So pro- creativity is not just for that. You have to think outside the box when it comes to creativity. You're not limited just to, just on what you have access to. So, for the next 40 minutes or 30 minutes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to dream without limitations. So if you hear something that maybe someone else says or maybe I say, you'll be like, well, we can't do it because we don't have X, Y, and Z. You have just limited yourself. So you have to take what you have and be creative with it. You have to problem solve. So if you think, I just came from the Seeds Conference last year in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they put on a show. We don't have the money to even begin to think about it. As I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, that'd be great to have this, this, and this. I started to put limitations on what I can do. And then, really, what you do is you begin to limit what God can do through you. 
So even though we don't have a million dollar budget, light shows and things like that, which can for some people be seen as entertainment, just depends on how you deliver it. But I started to set limitations. I was sitting there, I was like, oh, we don't have this, we don't have that, we don't have this. But God has given you something and you have to think creatively how to make it happen. So I want you to think outside the box without limitations. So creativity is not just for artists. It is for the businessman who is trying to make a sale. It is for the engineer who's trying to problem solve. It is also for parents who maybe want their children to see um, life a little differently. That's what creativity or that's who creativity is for. Creativity is a habit. It's a discipline. Now, there are two realms of thought. It's a philosophical tug of war between these two thoughts. One is that some transcendent, inexplainable inspiration. In other words, that it's the Holy Spirit that gives you inspiration. Or it's hard work. I tend to think it falls in the middle, that God inspires us, However, we have to be creative and we have to take that responsibility to make it a habit and a discipline. So how do you become creative? You become creative by exercising repetition in your life because you have to set aside time. It's like working out. It's a discipline. You don't feel like doing it. Some people enjoy it, but it didn't start like that, I should say. So you, so you, I think it falls between two, two realms, not everything is inspiration. I have a lot of talented friends and I tell them all the time, if you would just practice, you could be incredible. Even if you just, I have some piano players, they can pick anything up. I also know when they hit some of the wrong notes because you don't practice your scales. So if you just took the discipline to just sit down, you'll be skillful. God is giving you it, but you'll be skillful by nurturing your gift that God has given you. Plan in advance so you can fix the problem. You have to be able to plan in in advance so that if anything ever occurs when you're being creative, no last minute things. That's a demand. People give me things all the time. I need a video. I need this and that. That's not going to happen. It'll be great for a service. I say, no. I had to put a demand on that because you'll stress me out. And then it won't be great quality. And I want to produce great work. I'm not really a perfectionist, but I believe in God. I believe in giving God my complete best. So I don't want to put my name on anything that is not quality. We recorded a CD one time, and there was a, when we got the CDs back, it was um, probably 2,000 copies of this CD at the time that had an error on it. We had to throw them away, which was a lot of money, a lot of time spent, but we valued the work that was put into it, so 
misspelled words, even if it has three E's, it's supposed to have two E's, most people are like, oh, it's just a mistake. Well, that's, we, we value our excellence that we want to give to God. Plus, we were academic education, educational school. So, that looked really bad on that. <laughs> so, creativity takes time. It's developed through exercise and repetition. That's how you develop creativity. I want to give you uh, a process that I go through, and I try to answer some of these questions in between some of these. So here's what I want to do um, every week. I have an interesting role because I'm the worship pastor, but I'm actually in charge of the whole entire service. So every creative element that goes into the service, anybody who speaks, anything like that, I schedule them, all of that kind of filters to me. So you'll see on the screen is there's a creative worship, there's a creative team and there's also a service planning team. The service planning team, I um, kind of manage our calendar of events and things like that. And then um, our creative team is co-led by one of our other pastors. So... I want to create an unforgettable experience. So when, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, essentially when you walk into the doors, I want you to experience God on some level in some way. So everything that goes into our service, that's our end goal, is to create an unforgettable experience. It all begins with an idea. So, even coming here to the school, I haven't been in a high school in probably 12, 13 years. So, walking here, I'm like, wow, okay, high school has not really changed, but the facilities have. But that's just like churches. You walk into some churches, you're like, wow, is this a sports arena or is it a, <laughs> you know, we, we progressed over time. However, I can walk into a space, I walk into this school, I automatically start thinking about creative things. I may not be able to use it this Sunday, I may not be able to use it this year, but I write things down, I tuck it away. There's something that someone said, something that someone even had on that sparked something. That's just how my mind works. It's just the creative, how can I use this? How can I, how can I use um, any, any element I can grab a hold of and implement that at some point in my life or in a experience that creates an unforgettable um, worship experience. So it all begins with an idea. Once I have that idea, I capture that idea by writing it down. Most of the time, sometimes it's in my head. And that kind of creates a problem because... It's never written down. You write things down. I don't, even, I don't even type it. I actually write it down. So you capture the idea. For us, it then goes to our creative planning team that consists of, right now it's four of us. It's four pastors on staff, and they bring something to the table. One's a builder. One is a graphic designer. Plus... He's our kids pastor, one's a youth, and he's very creative as well. And then it involves myself. Um, 
And then it also have some lay leaders who work in some type of industry that causes them to be creative. From then, it moves on to our service planning team. So this is where I may present, here's what I'm thinking. Um, out of our creative meeting, I present, here's what I'm thinking as well, and I get their input, their different um, ideas as well. So i give you an example. We're working on something for Easter, and there's a video that um, I want to put together. We have 33 different nations in our church, and so I want to uh, welcome to people's church in different languages. So then Tom says, I, I think it would be great to actually have it in different languages. He is risen. So I scratched the idea of welcome to people's church in different languages and actually put, and he is risen. I never even thought of that. I was like, oh, I'm just trying to create something that I can actually use over time and not just one, one particular time. But that's how our ideas kind of morph into other are bigger ideas. So it's not just about the creative pastor doing it. It's actually in a collective effort as a whole. So it moves from there to a service planning team. Normally a service planning team, we're like, that's a great idea. And so then it moves into uh, or morphs into this unforgettable experience. For me, this is where it starts to capture I capture the idea, I'm thinking of music, I'm thinking of production, I'm thinking of the arts, I'm thinking of um, sermons, how can I say, our lead pastor is Chris. Chris always says he's not creative, I say you are creative. And so I then say, here's what he's preaching about, maybe he would like to do this as a creative element even in his sermon just to pull the people in a little further. So um, media, and I'll show you um, a little later on what I mean by some presentations. I get bored with things, and so that can be a danger because I'm like, I want to flip the stage around today, and people walk in, they're like, what is going on? And they're so distracted. So I try to minimize the distractions, but I also try not to limit creativity and also slightly forcing people to change because reality is a lot of people don't like to change. I don't take the same route route home every day because I get bored. So um, I capture those ideas. Then I begin the prep work. After the prep work, I call it the development process because this is where um, the when, not limitations, but this is where I'm like, I actually can't do that because it's just not going to work, whether it's time or whether I just don't have access to it. So I know through the development process exactly what I can actually make happen and what I can't. Then there's the planning stage. The planning stage design uh, involves the stage layout. It just involves every element, pictures, everything. So let me finish it and I'll... I'll you execute the experience and then, bam, there is Sunday or Saturday or Wednesday, whatever. Now, I think of feels. I walk into a room, how does it make you feel? When you drive into the parking lot of your church, how does it feel to you? How does it feel when someone walks in the door and they don't speak to you? How does it feel 
if it's too loud when you first walk into the sanctuary or it's too dark when you walk into the sanctuary. So it's all about a feeling. So I want to capture what is happening with this feeling because that creates the environment on how people will respond in worship. How people will respond to the message is all setting up for the unforgettable worship experience. So we talk about lights. If it's too bright, if it's too dark, if it is the colors make people feel a certain way. Um, I don't do a lot in, in the middle of songs. There's transitions. We use lights for transition. We have a meet and greet time and people love to meet and greet. They cannot stop talking. So we have a countdown. You get three minutes to say hello to people. <laughs> and then after that three minutes is up, we have an intro build, uh, video that goes into our announcements. So what I do is I slowly bring down the lights because that means have a seat. <laughs> you know, and so most people kind of, it, it creates this, this mode or this mood so people can say, oh, okay, this transition happening. It's lights are, lights always mean, you know, you flip the lights on, hey, it's time to go. Church is out. <laughs> Want to close down the church. So it always signals something. So, um, so you create moods like that. Songs create certain moods. And so when I think of um, the whole production process of, of um, using lights or media, I want to be able to tell a story. I'm not always trying to tell a theme. I think our theme should be central and it should be centered around Christ. So I can throw anything in. I used to be one of those people that, if the sermon is about the Lord is good, I'm going to have a song that's about the Lord is good. I'm going to have this about the Lord is good. And reality is that everything is vertical in worship. And so it all works. We all put it together. So um, those are just kind of our, kind of the map out of what I do when planning an unforgettable um, service or worship experience. So let's talk about, let's get some of these questions answered. Anybody have a question so far, what I said? No, okay. So I mentioned a little earlier about old generation and honoring them. Um, I do a very eclectic mosaic type of music. I do not do one genre of music. This is just my opinion, and take it for what it's worth. God has gifted us with creativity when it comes to music. He appreciates all genres of music that glorifies him, and so that's what I want to do. So, and some music does not challenge musicians. If you have four chords, that's all you're playing over and over, there's a lot more chords to play than four chords. <laughs> So you'll hear some jazz, you'll hear some gospel, you'll hear some CCM, meaning Christian contemporary music. And because we have different languages, I also incorporate that. But here's what I learned about hymns. Hymns is kind of viewed as kind of this old school mentality, but hymns can also be used internationally. A lot of our internationals automatically know 
the hymns that we sing. So it's not just generationally, it's also cross-culturally that hymns are used. But some hymns can be a little boring, so you update them a little bit. However, I also honor the writer and the musicians that put it together as well. So I don't do something that's out the box that's really crazy. I try to honor. I always have in mind an honor system. It goes a long way, and I believe the blessings of God is in honor. So bridging the gap between our old generation, don't, it's okay to throw in hymns. Hymns have great theology in it. It also is something that people can connect with. So how do you enter, how do you go from what's too much or too little um, when it comes from music or when it comes to lights or whatever? I think it's just a maybe personal preference. You're not going to please everybody. Thank the Lord. I've never had anyone come and complain. I've heard horror stories of people doing that to worship pastors. I don't know why they get it the worst. I guess some pastors get it. They don't like their sermons, I guess, but, you know, they get it as well. But um, I try to use it as a teaching moment to people. If someone don't like what I have done, I want to know why. I don't want to offend anyone, but I also want to know why you don't like it. If you don't like it just because you don't like it, there's nothing I can do about that. But... Um, when I introduce new songs, I also repeat them because it's not about me. I know I get bored with things, but I want people to grab a hold of it. I've read statistics to show that how most people don't even listen to the music at church when they're at home anyway. So if something is familiar or something is new to them, then they're not going to, you know, some people ask. This is, I'm not making generalizations or blanket statements, but some people ask what songs and they'll go get those songs. But for the most part, some people don't listen to the songs that I may present on a Sunday morning. So I want to make it familiar to them and repeat that because I want to have an unforgettable experience. If they ask me for the song, that means that this goal is being accomplished, at least through, through that. Okay. So... Um, I already mentioned distractions. You try to minimize the distractions and the service. Um, I mean, there's not much I can say about that. <laughs> Unless you want, whoever asked that, you want me to elaborate more on that. No? Okay. Here is your typical lyrics that you see on the screen, right? For the most part. Background may be a little different. Um, it's actually, and I just captured this, it's actually a, a motion um, that's behind it. Uh, when we talk about distractions, some backgrounds can be very distracting, um, especially if you're using lights. You don't, we don't need water fountains and things <laughs> moving behind if you're already creating a scene with, with other things. So... Um, this is just one of our, our songs. So I try something different. Nobody complains, so I keep doing it. If they do complain, then I do it one more time to see if they are adjusting. So, um, so I changed it. So this is a song called Awesome. It's a thing that he's mighty. Well, I wanted to emphasize 
He's mighty. So instead of just having regular, he's mighty. I did this, and this actually moves and things like that. And it actually, I don't know if it's just because they were familiar with the song, but for some reason, when it got to this part, uh, worship went to a whole nother level because you're creating an atmosphere that people can relate to and grab a hold of, not simply because of the words, but how you present it as well. So he's mighty. That's just one way I do it. And then awesome moves as well to um, kind of um, capture and emphasize how awesome our God is. This is a quote from um, an author. I've been reading her book. If you want to write this down, it's called The Creative Habit. She is not a Christian. Not that she says bad things, but uh, if you if you're thinking it's like you know Maxwell book or something like that, it's it's not. <laughs> uh, it's called the Creative Habit. It is something that I recommend because it causes you to think outside the box. Um, she was a choreographer, but anyway, this is a quote from her. So she says that if art is the bridge between what you see in your mind and what the world may see, then skill is how you build that bridge. So. Sorry. Any other questions? Yes. That's a big issue in kind of right now with our church. I like it personally, and I'm being the sound guy. I like it loud enough that people feel comfortable singing out loud. If you play it to what some people would, where everybody can hear themselves sing and they can't sing, they won't sing. That's just that's human nature. Maybe because I can't sing and I recognize that. But a, uh, um, just out of curiosity, at a, at a larger church. Um, which I'm assuming obviously Cincinnati is a lot larger than Roger. Um, about what like DB do you guys actually run? We, we try to hold it under 85 between about 75 and 85. Okay. You said what? 75, 85? Well, if, if I went with what <laughs> some people want, it would probably be like 60. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. are, are you the pastor? No. Is your pastor in here? You're free to speak. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we, we kind of experiment with something. This is what I noticed. <clears throat> when I was at Central Barber College, um, we got a brand new system, our new board and stuff like that. And when music was loud and going, the students, and these are all, for the most part, Students who are training to be ministers. So this is not, we're not trying to pump and prime people. These are people that are studying to do what we do in church. But when the music, when, when George Wood came, it was not as loud. And 
some of our professors would come in later on because they felt that it was too loud. But here's what I noticed. I noticed that when the music wasn't loud, people really did not enter into worship. I don't know why that is. Probably because they didn't want to hear themselves singing or something like that. When it was at a, at a, at a certain level, then they did worship. What we don't, I don't use any certain DBs because you can get around those. So they said, here's what we want to run in maybe 96. Well, it depends on how you weigh it. You can get around that. Uh, and also depends on what area that you're sitting in. So it depends on how you, how your, how your sanctuary is set up. But to set something and say that here's what we don't want to go above is not really practical. So you want people to feel comfortable. So your sound engineer, your sound man or woman should kind of get a feel of how people are responding and adjust that way. If you have too much or too many highs, then it seems to be, or you, or you mix a little brighter, things can seem a lot louder, even though you may run 80-something decimals. Um, a lot of older people don't like the bass. So we have subs, and we, they can thump. So that's my five-minute um, bell. So um, we have we have um, subs that you can feel it. They're not hearing it; they're feeling it. And so you have to be conscious of that. Maybe you have to adjust the sub level. Uh, I think there is a medium. I don't think that you can be like, "Well, we're just going to have church and it's going to be loud in here." But it has to be comfortable for you. It has to be not piercing. If, especially if you have kids in your service, their ears are a lot more sensitive. Even though you think that they're just kids, but it, it really is. And so we want everyone to experience an unforgettable worship experience. We don't want them to leave like, man, that church was so loud. I didn't hear what the pastor said. I didn't even enjoy worship. So it should be comfortable at a comfortable level. I wouldn't set and say, here's a number. Here's what we want to stick the number in. Yes, sir. You do. It depends on who those people are. Because they're, people like to complain. And so if you're, if you're complaining this, I'm not the right person to complain for, too. Um, I think that, that's why I asked about your lead pastor, because really it, it's, he, tried, he sets the tone, and for me, I would defer that to Chris and say, there may be an issue here. For me being new, I want to know who these people are. They just may be complainers. I don't have time for complainers. I'm just one of those take-it-or-leave-it type of people, but with grace, because I have an objective, and that is to have people experience the presence of God. So you do have a great point. If a lot of people are complaining, you have to just take into consideration of and who who's are, who are those people. Yes, sir. What, what um, I've used Media Shout. I've used if you can if you can go with Pro Presenter, I say go Pro Presenter. That's what we use. Um, it was already there before I got there too. But it's a great it is a great software. Any other questions?
Yes, sir. So I, I set them up for a win. So if we have a guest or if we have people that are part of our service in advance, you already know that you are doing something. So what I want to do is I want to set you up to win. So in advance, I already have some sheets to say, here's on the production side, you're wanting X, Y, and Z. I need it by this date. If you want a video, you have to at least give me six weeks. Part of it is, once again, it's, it's my creation that I'm putting my stamp on. And sometimes if I'm using, I'm inspired when I'm doing something like, man, this will look great if this happens or that happens. And it gives me time to do that. You have to put a demand on that to say, here, you didn't even give it to me in six weeks. Here it is the day before. That's not going to happen. But I set them up to win by saying in advance, here's what I want. Here's, here's what you're looking at. Have an admin that would, uh, maybe three weeks out or something like that could check up on them and say, we haven't got your presentation yet. What are you thinking? Are you going in a different direction? I give grace. If it's three weeks out, I can probably still work something. But a day before, Sunday mornings, anybody a worship pastor in here? Lead pastor or a pastor on staff? Cause you, or you work in a church on a Sunday morning or whenever your service, you know how Sundays can be. I am a wreck on Sunday mornings. I walk in and there's issues. There's this, there's that. Since I'm one of, well, I'm actually not the first one there, but since I'm one of the, the pastors that are there that are first, all of it comes to me, and you have to then be creative and problem solve. <laughs> the internet's down. The internet's not working. For some reason, I deal with that as well. But um, it can be hectic, so you, you don't have time to deal with other issues. That's 12.15. Any other quick questions before we close out? All right, so you have my email address. I hope that I covered what you were expecting. Have a great day. God bless you.